You're listening to the Sean Lowell Podcast. So welcome back to the Sean Level podcast. It's been, I think, about three years since um, since I've been <laughs> recording these, and uh, that was partly because um, somebody else convinced me to do the podcast. They were they were putting it up on their podcast network, and then for reasons beyond both our control, they couldn't do that anymore. So it kind of sat in a, in a place where it wasn't getting used. Um, a good friend, Zulu Alpha Watch Straps, you can check him out on Instagram, told me about Anchor FM. So now we've got the opportunity to do it and it's back. So I'm really excited. I've got a few interesting people lined up, uh, hopefully uh, more added to that. So today, um, uh, somebody who will remain lameless um, <laughs> has joined me. He is a Royal Marines commando, um, a lidded bootneck, working at a commando unit at the moment. And he went through Royal Marines training last year. So I thought it'd be really interesting. Um, I get a lot of people asking me who are would-be Royal Marine recruits, but also a lot of people who have never joined the military, probably don't want to join the military, but have got a lot of interest in what Royal Marines commando training, arguably the, the, the most arduous initial military training in the world, what it's like and what they can learn from it. So thank you very much for joining me today, mate. Thanks for having me on, mate. So um, I guess uh, you and I first met, you were training for the Royal Marines. I think you probably got a copy of one of my books and you were um, training to, to get into training. So what, what would you sort of say about that for anybody listening who's maybe thinking about joining the Corps, thinking about giving training a go? Is there any, any advice off the bat you've got for that? Yeah, so I think from my, my previous experience, like we kind of met, like you said, Dan, with myself, just kind of training being on Instagram, noticing your page, and then and then I think I, I think I got one of your um your ebooks, and uh, that that massively helped me with with regards to like training for PRMC or for getting into training, just knowing knowing the correct things to do and doing things doing things the correct way, etc. Not just kind of wasting your time doing stuff that isn't relevant to to what you're going to be going into, and I think that's probably a good a good way to start really. <laughs> Yeah, I think I get I got a lot of messages from from young lads um, and and young girls these days as well who are just almost winging it as I would say and they're yeah. just doing a random session. Ah, oh, tomorrow I'm going to do as many press ups, sit ups, and pull ups as I can do, and then the next day I'm going to go for a run, and then the next day I'll do. And there's no there's no plan, there's no structure. And I think I mean we'll talk about it in a minute, but you've been through commando training and that that 32 week block is completely structured there's progression built yeah. in you know week to week and i think that is the way i try to say people should approach prmc um but you yeah, mixed definitely. in things like crossfit as well right so you kind of did a bit of both side of things which i think can be useful for what the mental resilience yeah yeah massively so i did i did obviously the the GE press up sit-ups pull-ups running all that kind of thing but i've always enjoyed your kind of conditioning crossfit circuits and a bit of olympic lifting so i kind of like you say then i had a kind of best of both worlds I went into PMC and and training actually. I went in quite fit, not not at sort of peak level where I was I was going to get injured, but I still went in very fit. And I think I think having a kind of mixture of of the two helped me massively. And having done loads and loads of gopping workouts where you're putting yourself in a dark place, that did help me mess, uh, massively mentally as well. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to note, and it's something that. I do get a lot of people asking me, is CrossFit a useful thing to do leading up to joining the core, doing a PRMC? And, and I'm quite honest that, that my training program is more about 
those are the ticks in the boxes you need. So yeah. let's train specifically because specifics is is important in everything you do. You know, if you want to be good at cycling, you need to cycle. You know, you don't want to be swimming every day. It's not going to work. Yeah. And for me, the PRMC, the bleep test, the bleep test for, to 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 uh, bleeps. Uh, sorry, the press up setups and pull ups to bleeps. Obviously, the mile and a half run as it stands at the moment, best effort. Um, those things you need to train specifically for. But there is something to be said, yeah. as you say, for putting yourself in a dark place. I guess if you've yeah. got any advice for people, because one thing I've seen with CrossFit is it really CrossFit and how good or bad it is relies on how good or bad the box is and how good or bad the instructors or instructors. Yeah. Is that something that you would you would say you've seen? Yeah, well, I was just going to say just before I talk about that, like when we were saying then about doing kind of cross training and, and doing your, your body, your body weight stuff. Not everyone has access to a gym or a box or even weights. Like you get lads that come down to training that have, they live in the sticks of nowhere and they've literally just their house and then there's nothing else for miles on end. So they might, like I say, they might not have access to any sort of equipment. So like your program being so, I don't say basic in a negative way, but it, it allows anyone to be able to train it and get ready for the PRMC. Yeah, and I think I think that's that's bang on. I've actually been writing a program for somebody this morning. Obviously, if you're listening to this after the COVID nineteen lockdown, then we're, we're we're having a chat at the moment while we're still in lockdown. We're hoping to hear from the prime minister this afternoon to as to whether they're going to release little bits and pieces. But people are writing to me and yeah. saying, "What can I do? This is what I've got." And you know, I'm reading a bit now. Backpack, backpack, five liters of water. Backpack, ten liters of water. Backpack, fifteen. That's that's yeah. all he has. Um, so you're absolutely yeah. right. The whole idea of that program is is accessible anyone anywhere, and you don't need. To start spending 200 pounds on online on different bits of kit if you've got a pull-up bar you, yeah. you can do it so yeah, i think that's that's obviously a really important point but as you say there is there is something to be said for putting yourself in a in in physical and mental hardship which then helps with that resilience especially in some of the bits on PRMC, but also within training would you say that helped you yeah yeah massively so like, like i said before having done some of the like the long the long sluggish workouts you you get to uh a stage in training where you are getting pushed and you're thinking like you know this is this is hard this but then then you think to yourself oh well I've, I've been in this place before and i've got through it so i know i can do it and that that does help mass, uh, massively yeah, and, and at the end of the day that's the point of those commando tests that's the point yeah. of a 30 miler if you know you've done 30 miles inside eight hours and then the shit hit the fan so to speak when when you're away on ops and you know you need to go a certain distance in a certain time despite being physically and mentally fatigued as you will be by the time you get to that test yeah. you can do it that's the whole point um i yeah. was on a i was on a, a bit of a fitness conference yesterday and somebody was asking a similar sort of question and i said the whole point in commando training is to improve the, the mental resilience not just the physical yes you might get fitter some people might arguably depending on where they've come from not be as fit in the same way at the end of training but mentally they will be able to push themselves harder and i think as you say if you can come there with that to a point then that's going to aid you going through because it's not putting you in somewhere new yeah definitely 100%. um so in terms of of i think there'll be a lot of people listening who um they've read as much as they can they probably listen to the odd person one thing i like to try and do is remain current so um i was quite lucky yeah. I, I i joined the rmr as you know um a, a, a year or so back now having had a gap and i've been able to get down on <laughs> peer mcs and that's one thing they've used me for because of my pti background so i found myself yeah. on three or four peer uh, mcs um and the lad who's running the rmr previous to that was running peer mc for the regular course so it's great for me seeing a complete crossover i think a lot of the advice i see out there sometimes on forums and bits and people bits and pieces sometimes people are looking at it 
from when they did it and we all become you know i went through training uh, a while back um and um, <laughs> you get that things change and you become out of date so i think what's so great about and thank you for doing this for people today is you're really current you've literally just you know last year you went through this um and now working at a unit it's fresh enough for you to look back and say okay yeah i can remember that so i guess almost yeah. taking it through from the, the 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 day one week one going a little bit through foundation looking at getting to that midway point and the trained soldier sketch and then moving into bottom field and then into the the final leg stage and commando test can we can we sort of go through it and if you've got any memories or tips or bits yeah, yeah, and pieces, sure. so i guess um day one week one get, getting on the train going down there getting your stuff together anything you'd say to people that they should think about be wary of or not worry about i just think a lot of lads and i think i might even be guilty of it myself you turn up to training just trying to expect everything like you're getting on the train thinking oh what if this happens what if that happens what am I going to be doing I think just go there with an open mind and, and take it as it comes because regardless of of what you know already going down there there's always going to be a curveball <laughs> like I knew personally I, I knew how how honking it was going to be but I didn't realize how honking it was actually going to be if you know what I mean so obviously everyone knows how hard it is but it's it's one of those things that it's it, you can't actually describe how bad it is until you get there and you've actually experienced it yourself, if, if you get what no, I mean. No, I get exactly what you mean. And, and and not to put people off with that statement, you've got to remember that anything that is worthwhile in life is difficult. If it yeah. wasn't, everybody yeah. would be doing it. And all of a sudden, people wouldn't care about it, wouldn't want it. So whatever country you're from, whatever elite military unit you want to you get into, it is hard and it's nece- it's necessarily hard because necessarily hard yeah definitely. You, you don't want you don't want it sounds terrible you don't want everybody getting through that door you know you need a certain color no. of a person who's able to put up with a certain amount of crap and i think that's what you're saying there is is yeah you know you know it's hard you've read the books you've you've seen tv shows on it or whatever you've looked at read forums um but you yeah as you say you can't really you can't prepare for it essentially can you you just got to put up with it no no you can't mate you can't really <laughs> but i remember going i remember in foundation like it's just everything's like a hundred miles an hour. It's a blur. It's a really, it's a really weird time because it's so new to everyone. You're, you're there. You get there, and there's sixty other blokes all from all over the world. Or we had lads from New Zealand, Zimbabwe, South Africa, top of Scotland, bottom of England. Like lads from all over the place you've never met, and then you're just thrown into this one massive room. Shout out to I and shout out to Wash, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then, and then that's you. You're on the next minute. You're getting thrashed. Next minute, you're nodding off. Like. Yeah, you don't get much sleep in those first two weeks, dude. No, I think I think my record was like fifteen minutes in forty eight hours. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is it is a fastball. It is um but again it, it it's a necessity and it's been there for years. Yeah, I was gonna years. say, yeah. But people have tried and tested. Exactly. And you where you always gotta look at these things is is that there have been a lot of people before me that have done this. It's not impossible. It's not beyond me. Yeah. You know, it, it's um we've probably all seen, you know, the, the Navy SEALs ringing the bell. There are things in military elite training that people do and they want people, they want the people that are gonna say, No, it's not for me, and that's why it's there. It's gotta be that way because you need to know at that point that people haven't got the, the physical and mental resilience. So yeah, it's an interesting little phase. Um and, and moving on through then, if you take those sort of first first few field exercises and that sort of thing, or even getting out at the weekend to go into Exeter, is there anything that you'd recommend that people should do, shouldn't do, shouldn't worry about, anything like that that you can even remember, or are you just too tired, you can't remember it? I think, I think in, if I remember rightly, in foundation, you either get the first, because the foundation is two weeks, and you're not working the first weekend in between. But I can't remember if you get that weekend or the weekend after foundation off. But either way, I remember a, like a group of us going ashore in Texas and, and just being like, 
the only thing on our mind was like, where can we go to get a massive scram? <laughs> and I think all of us probably nodded off on the training text. They probably nearly missed a stop. And then just going and texting and getting a massive scram. We didn't really know what to get, where where to go. We were just kind of walking around aimlessly. But yeah, I think getting some good food in, because uh, obviously you know what it's like. It's at limps and the food's not the best. So just trying to get ashore and get some get some nutrients really and some some decent scram. It's probably <laughs> probably all you can do at that stage. <laughs> so right now, obviously everything's locked down, so um, it's not yeah. as easy. But I'm hoping some of the businesses that you experienced um, will still be open. Have you got any places that you would recommend? Because as you say, people come from all over the world, all over the country. They won't know Exeter. Now, yeah, there's the nod vine, and they can ask people from the troop above and that sort of thing. But have you got any places that you found um, pretty good that you you would go to with your troop? Yeah, so there's there's like various. Like, I quite like my coffee. So there's various coffee shops in in Exeter. Coffee one. I think it's one that me and you have been to a couple of times. Yeah, I used to go there probably every weekend with a few of my mates. Um, there's a Nando's in Exeter, which is a kind of bootneck special. Um, Hubbox is a good one. They just sell massive dirty burgers, which is always good when you're in training. But there's, there's ex- you know what it's like, Exeter is full of just different restaurants and, and places to get scrum. So just kind of walk around, experiment. You'll have, pl- you'll have plenty of time to, to probably try them all if you want to. Um, there's a good place down on the, on the quay. I think it's called Firewater, or it might even be called The Key, that does like, massive, massive pizzas, uh, which is always good. Not, none of it, obviously, the best scram, but it's good It's good when all you're eating is garbage. Yeah, you need to get the calories time. in. Don't you? Most people, um, uh, it's not a problem in terms of that they need to lose 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 fat or, or lose weight. They just need to get the calories yeah. in. So on that then? It's also it's also some good morale. Like when I remember when we were in, on exercise, and you're, you're on X for like a week at a time, and, and you're just thinking, even on like day one, you and, your, you and your mates are just thinking, oh, I can't wait to go and get pizza at the weekend. And, and that's like, as, as funny as it sounds, that's kind of what gets you through the exercise. You're just longing for that nice scram at the weekend or that few wets at the weekend. Yeah, you've got, you've got to have those positives. I think that's a really good point that you brought out. You know, you, anytime you're in, you know, even if you're doing, as you said, like a, an hour, an hour and a half CrossFit session, essentially you're looking forward to the end of it. You know, you could stop at any point, but you, you're oh, still yeah, looking 100%. forward to the end of it because that's, that, that's the, the goal, if you like. I think, you know, as you say, with training, you can't yeah. look forward to that very, very end goal. Although it's in your mind, you want that lid, you want to go off to a unit. You have to have those short little milestones and the thought of going out yeah. and not having somebody looking over your shoulder to get something to eat is a really, really important point and, and, and a good thing to hold in your mind while you're, while you're going through, I guess. Yeah, that's, 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 I'm glad you said that because I, I remember before I started training, I watched a, a video of, I think, I think it might have been Foxy, Jason Fox was on a, um, he was on a PMC and he said to the lads, picture yourself at the end of your 32 weeks training wearing a green lid, walking out of Limston and just keep it in the back of your mind and use it as motivation. And that and that that genuinely works. Like if I was ever hanging out, I used to just think to myself, or oh, I'll get through this because then I'm I'm one step closer. Or or imagine I'm on my thirty mile, I'm not going to give up then, so I'm not going to give up now. Just like li- like you say, little bits, and and it does just get you through. You just chip it away, it day by day, meal by meal, exercise by exercise, and then and before you know it, you're there. On it is that thing of just um, little little milestones, getting through it, but keeping that big goal at the end. So you mentioned food quite a bit there. Um, I, I've had questions recently. I think I even messaged you about one of them. Somebody was asking about could they stay plant-based while they're at Limston? What's the food like? Can they bring their own food? Can they bring their own supplements? All that sort of thing. Have you got any general advice around the sort of food, keeping yourself healthy, nutrition and that sort of thing? Yeah, I think definitely don't be don't be afraid of, of fats and sugars. Um, obviously, you know, we all like to try and keep a relatively healthy lifestyle. But I think in in nod training it's one of those things that you kind of have to just let yourself go a little bit with don't be afraid to to get 
some fatty food just to replace what you've lost and some sugars, like especially in like weeks one to nine when you're doing IMF, which is all like really fast paced fizz. You want, you want some sugars in there just to help you to get through those sessions. And then later on in training, when you're going on the bottom field or even long yomps, et cetera, you need those fats just to keep yourself going. But also you just need to, you need to, to build yourself up. You can't, you can't be thin because you'll end up just breaking. Yeah, it's a really good point. So I think, you know, people, people always imagine that elite soldiers are, you know, you, you see the movie, yeah, yeah you see stomach. the movie <laughs> Hollywood example of what they are. And, and realistically, that's not the case when you're doing that sort of exercise. And you, no, as you say, you just need to eat. And a lot of the time, the, at least from what I remember, the meals are relatively rushed anyway. You know, you, you've got a set amount of time and you? you need to get yeah. in eat, and you need to get on with your admin or you've got a, a period after lunch and that sort of thing. So sometimes, as you say, it's just a case of loading up the plate and getting it down your neck and then and then moving on. Yeah, because although what they serve in, in the galley down at CTC is not always the best quality, but it is still what you need. So carbs, proteins, fats, sugars, salt, cram as much of it as, as you can. And off you go, like, you know, you know what you're getting at least is going to get you through till the next meal or the next the next detail whatever you've got is it's going to be enough and obviously there's the galley there sorry the um the shop on camp as well which sells kind of drinks and sweets and stuff like that and flapjacks is always yeah, a good so, one. So, as you say if you don't eat if you don't eat the right things at the end of the day you're going to break you're going to get injured you need to keep your immune system up you need to keep the food in yeah. keep, keep keep your muscles repairing <laughs> um, and also just enough energy for your brain as well you know we, we sometimes forget our brains function yeah. on the same uh, fuel that the rest of our body does and you're being asked to retain a yeah. lot of information to think about a lot of things to, to work more and sleep less so you just need to keep fueling the brain as well as the body right yeah and and on that hydration is a massive one you'd go i think especially in the field you can you, you almost don't really realize you're not drinking for ages and you kind of don't realize and then all of a sudden you just feel really really thirsty i think keeping yourself hydrated especially when you're on exercise is a massive one because otherwise you're just going to go down and also like you say you're retaining a lot of information so if you're not if you're not keeping yourself hydrated you're not going to you're not going to take any of it on board it's a huge one you know outside of military but in, in civilian fitness and, and as you know with sort of crossfit and competitions and that sort of thing keeping hydrated just keeps on top of your performance as soon as you let that hydration go it has yeah. huge effects not just on your physical but your mental performance so on that then this is a question for me more than yeah. anything when you're in the first x amount of weeks until you're allowed maybe to start tweaking with your own kit are you on two black pusses water bottles or are you allowed a camelback or anything like that to make you drink all the time How, how's that working these days yeah, so you, you're not really allowed a camelback. I don't think we were actually even allowed one until Final X, but you do you get your issued your two black bombers, and wh wherever you go, you take one with you, and it's always got to be toppers, so the DS will check, and if it's not, they'll pour over you. So you've all, you always want it to be full up just so you don't get wet. But also, I think the whole idea behind it is you've always got toppers water, so you, you've got as much as you can carry, essentially. So if it's always topped up, you, you've, you've always got a drink there. When you're sat in the classroom and you're nodding off, just have a drink. One, it wakes you up, and two, it's it's keeping you hydrated. You've you've always got water with you, some wherever you go. So so yeah, you're not really allowed camelbacks, but those two black bombers, I think I think they're a liter each. So you're always going to be carrying at least a liter with you, which is which is yes, always exactly that. And I think you know cam camelbacks are something that obviously you use. You know, you'll you'll probably be using it now. I expect that people do use it in soldiering because it's there. Yeah. It's on your shoulder. It's really easy to get to. It doesn't mean you have to. Yeah. Exactly. So convenient. But as yeah. you say, it's a really, really good. And, and there's all these little nuggets of 
information and, and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Things that you get taught that you need to retain forever, such as always carrying a full water bottle. That yeah. if you do it every day and you're carrying yeah. a black water bottle, you'll do it for the rest of your time because you know that carrying full water. Yeah. So it's not just about keeping you hydrated in training. It's about getting that information into your head. So you always do it. And I think that's a really important yeah. point. I think the whole, the whole reason again, why they make, why you're not allowed the kind of provisions like camelbacks and different water bottles is that if you're on, on exercise or even on operations and you're using a camelback if that goes down you're always going to fall back on the putter's kit so you've always got a black bomber 100 percent. it's always about what can be replaced through the stores sequence so if it's not an issue bit of kit so if you've got a non-issue pair of boots and the sole falls off and you want a new pair of boots you're going to get something else you know so you don't want to get reliant on yeah. something that isn't necessarily um i mean I, I've, I've been issued camelbacks through my career and i'm sure you, you know you'll get bits and pieces now but yeah, you yeah, but if you can get yeah. used to the the simple, most basic bits of kit, and you can do the job with that, then you're never going to have a problem, are you? You know, you you're not relying on the GPS. Yeah, you can use a map and compass, so you know it, it, it's down as simple as that, isn't it? Um, and hence the name Black Bomber. They are bombers, like they never break. No, you can't break those, <laughs> can you? Um, what was the next thing I was going to ask you? So, in terms of we we got onto kit, so let's carry on with kit. People often message me and say, oh, I've got a pair of boots from cadets. Can I take those down? Or oh, I've got this combat jacket that I've used. Can I take that down? What would be your advice on that? Because I know what I've advised them, but it'd be interesting to see what you say and what the training team was saying to you. Yeah, so in phase one, like, absolutely no. Phase one's all about being taught how to to use your issued kit, how to admin yourself correctly in the field, etc. And there's, there's, there's no privileges at all. You can't take your own scran, anything. In phase two, they do get a little bit more relaxed. In terms of boots, no, um, I I don't know about combat jackets. I don't. We didn't have anyone in the troop that had one that would that, that asked to use one. But as far as I'm aware, like no, that they wouldn't let you use that. But I think it's all about if you're using uh, passes issue kit. If you get any sort of injury, you're you're like covered for insurance if you're using their kit. Like I think I think there was a, there was a dick that I got told if if you got like injured wearing a non passes issue pair of gloves, you wouldn't get you wouldn't get a payout because you weren't wearing their gloves. Yeah, I think I think that's that's what I think that's one of the things in trainers is that's just that whole if you get injured, which is obviously such a high chance in training. If you're using your own boots, they're going to be like, well, why we're we using them. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think to use a non-issue pair of boots, it needs to be a medical issue. So generally, it needs to be a sign-off from the doc or from the physio to say that yeah. this Achilles problem, this plantar fascia problem, this is why this person needs it. And in terms of the rest yeah. of the kit, you're exactly right. If you get a non-freezing cold injury to the fingers or the toes or something, and you weren't wearing pusses socks whatever version it is or passes gloves then essentially it's like well that wasn't clear so everything that that the, the mod issues yeah. has to go through clearance to say it's acceptable for the job at hand yeah if then somebody gets injured or doesn't do the job <laughs> then obviously there's there's insurance as you say put in place that's that's a really good point to be brought yeah. out um but then obviously like you say then for, sorry mate, like you say then from in, in training like getting signed off there is various things in training so a lot of lads get things like stress fractures or achilles problems there are um there are insoles you can get or thought it through like the um the rehab center and camp so like if you do get if you if you are susceptible to injury or whatever you can get insoles signed out from from the uh, the ris that uh, down at the rehab center and like different boots so like when you get to unit you know there's loads of different boots you can get but you're only you're only given like i think it's outbergs in the field and then a pair of uh, hakes for the camp but sometimes like lads don't fit very well for some lads so they have to get different boots signed out so there is there is like other options, but it's not like it's not a case of just going and get them. You have to have like you have to get them signed out, like you say. 
yeah, it makes sense. But then there's still there's still obviously in Exeter. You always see. I I, I live in Exeter, so I see it all the time. You see nods wandering around, yeah. um, going to the kit shop at various places and getting bits and pieces. Now those aren't bits and pieces to to replace military issue bits of kit. They're bits and pieces they need need for their field kit that they need for yeah. working. So what's your sort of experience of that and doing that on the first couple of weekends or before the first exercise? Yeah, I remember start start of training kind of end of foundation like week three. When you start going into you start getting into the exercises that are more it's it's not just like this is what it's like to be in the field you're actually learning about field craft and and stuff like that so i think things like a map case um is pretty much a necessity buy an Oatly map case invest about 25 quid that'll last you your whole career a good head torch um with a red light on it cd bags probably go through thousands of those in training um later on when you get into uh into phase two, you'll be allowed um, dry bags. So, you know, the kind of ones that you roll up and then clip together, they, they make life a lot easier. There's loads of different things that you can use to, to, to connect. I don't want to say help yourself, but aid yourself in training. It's not like you're, you're cheating the system. It's just the things that you can, you can use to kind of make life a little bit easier when you're in the field. Um, yeah, I think head torch, map case, dry bags is probably the main one that ev- everyone gets and that you're allowed to get. And then, other than that, they're kind of troop dependent. So some some troops will let you get different things, and it just depends on your train team. Some like you to have all pluses kit the whole way through training. Some are more relaxed; you can take and leave certain things. So it's, it's it is kind of training team dependent. But those two are probably like the main ones you, you want to get. And would you say it's better for people to wait until they get down to CTC, wait for their training team to have a word with them and advise what to get, and then go out and get it? Because you can get it in extra, right? There's no point stressing now and trying to source it. They might as well wait, or would you say... Yeah, massively. And the, the training team, they've, they've all been there now for, for years, so they all know the specific things to get, so they might be able to advise you on certain models, certain makes and stuff like that to get. So, yeah, I'd say I'd say wait till you to you you um your advice of your training team you don't want to be that that lad that's turns up and he's already got all the kit you know what i mean he just looks like a bit of a knobhead <laughs> yeah i totally agree it's good it's good to hear you say that um another one that i get probably because i've got a fascination with them anyway is watches people always like, oh, yeah. what, what, you know i need a watch for training do i buy one again do i buy it when i get there and wander around exeter or do i get something um what, what's your take on that and what did what did you find other lads did and what your training team said fox drop my mom whiskey it's the way to go <laughs> the Casio yeah, a lot of people t- say that Tenor from Argos, and they are they are bombproof. That that will last you the whole way through training. You don't need a, uh, In fact, you're not even allowed Garmin's or Santo GPS watches in training because they uh, obviously they've got that kind of GPS um, mode where you can just tell exactly what location you are. You, you're not even allowed them. So there's no point spending loads of money on a fancy watch because the chances are it's going to get battered and broken when you're in the field anyway. So yeah, literally ten pound Casio Argos watch is 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 the way forward. Yeah, I think they probably made Argus have probably supported themselves for yeah. a number of The thing of is, years. they're so they're so they're so basic as well. All they've got on them is a the date and a time, and that's all you need. You don't need any fancy kind of Gucci modes on it because you're not going to use it. You want to just be able to look down, and see the time, and then that's you. That's a really that's a really good tip that you know, and it saves people spending, uh, as you say, a silly amount of money thinking they need something more than they need, which yeah. as you say, they're either not going to be able to use or absolutely you'll get it broken you know if it, and that's again why pluses kit is so important because yep. it gets broken you get it switches and cost you anything if you start spending money on your own kit and it breaks you've got to replace it yeah one thing just um, going, just going back to when you're talking about kit one thing i've just remembered a roll of sniper tape it's um it's almost like i don't know how to how, how would you explain it? it's like duct tape that's green and it's not it's not metallic and it's made of a sort of fabric but it's 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 amazing to use in the field if you rip your trousers around the knee tape them back up if, if your watch strap breaks tape it back up it's literally used for anything i remember when i was on final x 
um, the 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 mount for my uh, NVG, so my night vision device, uh, it broke, and I just sniper taped it on, and it was as good as new. So, like a roll of sniper tape, I think you get a twenty meter roll for about a tenner. You can get it on Amazon, or you can even get it from uh, I think it's Endicott's in in Exeter, and it's 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 a lifesaver. Just keep it in your weapon or keep it in your bag, and just have it there. It's, it's so useful. So I'm assuming it's still the same, but you'll be expected to use that to tape up all the bits yeah, on yeah, your webbing that yeah. are going to hang down. So it's something you need anyway, yeah. and you'll you'll sort your kit out to the standard that Royal Marines are expected to always be impeccably dressed. So there's certain standards of how you look, whether you're on camp or whether you're in the field or whether you're in your, your more formal wear. So it's really important that you understand that. But with that comes using something like sniper tape to make all the bits that are sort of hanging out your webbing or your your bergen or your yeah. or your day sack and take them up. So you'll need it anyway. So it's, yeah, it's a really good it's a really good point. Yeah, that you do, you do get you. you do get rolls of it issued for the troop for um from like the field store. But like um, in terms of like going in the field, getting your own little roll of it is is a, is a good idea. That does help massively. I used to see lads take bits of it off and wrap it around a pen. So it's like, you know, they've made a smaller roll of it and then put it in like a, a plastic case with a spare compass and a spare head torch, yeah. that sort of thing. So I think sometimes they don't take the whole roll in, but whether you've got the whole roll or not, you know, it, it, it's certainly, it's better to have and not need than to need and not yeah, need. Yeah, 100%. It's good for like, if you've got something like a, a jack flask, so like a little, um, a little therm, thermos, therm, is it thermorest? Um, one of those yeah, little flaskers. A lot of the ones you get are silver, so you can tape it around that, and then that means there's no shine on it as well. Yeah, I've done exactly the same thing. They've probably got people doing this stuff for years. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're kind of getting through then to. So you spoke about IMF before, yeah. um, which is the, the sort of gym based fizz that, that people maybe would have seen on some of the TV shows and you can see thoughts of. Um, once you, you get through that, you do a pass out, you've nailed your rope climbing, um, you're pretty CV fit and body weight fit, and then you start to go down onto bottom field. And people often worry about the criteria test, so bottom field pass out, and then obviously they move on to worrying about four mile speed march, six mile speed march, and then the commando yeah. test. Any tips for you from whether getting through IMF and nailing the rope climbing um one thing I'll say is, is I, I I see a lot of people have started learning rope climbing in a CrossFit gym yeah and obviously Royal Marines rope climbing is very different and that can cause a bit of a a, a, a mess in yeah the head. Was, so have you got anything that you I was going to say that because um with, with regards to the rope climbs a lot of lads stress on them or they've never they never climbed a rope in their life which which is fair enough and they get to training it's 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 a technique that they've got to learn but I remember I remember you helping me with um with rope climbs before I joined up, and knowing knowing how to do the rope climbs before I, before I started training was a massive kind of confidence boost because I got down to to Limpson and just knowing in my head oh yeah I, I don't have to worry about learning this I can do this already I've, I've got that nailed and then you you've got that you just you're just practicing you're not learning if you're not if you know what I mean, but I don't I think one thing to say is just don't stress if if you don't have a rope don't think oh I, I won't be able to practice rope climbs that's it. I won't be able to pass you and pass out. You'll get plenty of time getting smashed in the rope. So you'll learn the technique or you, or you, well, you've got, you've got really no choice. But I think if you have, if you have the access to a rope, even if it's just like a 12, 15 foot kind of CrossFit rope, learn, learn the correct, uh, the boot neck method. It's a lot easier and safer than, than the CrossFit stirrup method. Um, but I think you can get injured on the ropes if you don't, if you don't do it the way we do it. So, I mean, it helps, it helps massively learning the correct yeah, so way. We used to we used to allow all arms commando courses to use it, and I remember uh, an all arms when I was on the PT staff, and we had two. I think they were both Gurkhas, or at least one of them was come off the thirty foot ropes, and uh, you know it's broken legs. Yeah, you know, you're coming off because yeah. you're trying to 
you're taking your feet off the rope to try the stirrup method and and i'm surprised that that, that crossfit still haven't seen that there's a there's a and i will say this and other people might not agree a better method of climbing a rope oh a yeah 100 an easier method i've seen it i've seen it in method. competitions where you've but got it, you've got boot necks at crossfit competitions and it's like it's like a 15 foot rope you jump up one shift and you're at the top and you've got you've got people doing it the crossfit way and they're taking five shifts and they're absolutely hanging out so i mean it's yeah, yeah it's flailing around with the legs proven the it, is, yeah. it is a better method it is a better method and i would wholeheartedly agree with you you know anything you can learn before coming to training as long as you're yeah. learning the correct method you don't want to learn the wrong method and then the training team have got to undo what you've learned yeah. and teach you something yeah. else because that can often be harder if you can't, haven't got access to a rope a crossfit gym or whatever you haven't got yeah, access to it massively. don't stress it doesn't matter you will get taught and the majority of people yeah. don't know um it just, I was you know, just lucky yeah. you were quite lucky in that you had the access to it um, but it's not it's not the be all and end all but obviously by the end of it nine weeks you're all going to do your gym pass out and you can all do three rope climbs and then you go down on the bottom field and then we start looking at um moving up through the weight in the webbing to get to the bottom yep. field pass out and speed marches and that sort of thing certainly the six mile speed march i know when i was um, on the training team at, at ctc was always a one that seemed yep. to get into people's heads um and then bottom field pass out itself have you got any hints tips advice on any of that other than don't worry about it, it yeah you'll get through it. that's it really just don't worry about it the, the, the system works like it's like you said before it's 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 um it's progressive for a reason you don't start off and on day one they're right like, right yeah you're doing a 30 miler everything builds you up so by the time you get to that six mile speed march despite what you think in your head you can do it there's there's always them um, in imf and on the bottom field you always do what you're expected to do on the pass out before you do it so that you know in your head you can do it because you've already done it before so it's one of those things that the um the, the staff and the training team they won't they won't ask you to do anything that they haven't done or won't do themselves so like yeah just don't worry about it you you will be able to do it by the time you get there um and just fuel yourself up before any kind of fizz test. Like I said before, keep the hydration in and just just keep your head down and crack on through it. It might it might suck, it might be hard, but it's 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 not gonna last forever. I think when we were on the bottom field once one of our PTI said to us, Tough times don't last, but tough men do. And I remember I remember a few times when I was hanging out, I just thought about that and it, it gets you through it. But it is true, like you say, it's it's, it's not gonna last forever, you just gotta get through it exactly that even the worst bpt session on the bottom field a double session in the rain getting thrashed you know at some point you're going to be getting back in the shower and yeah and you'll be there in the shower and you and the lads will be laughing about it and joking and as if you've as if you haven't even done it so yeah it's a good it's a a really good point i think you you, you've you've made it quite simple there it's not worth worrying about we don't need to go into too much detail about it because it is what it is it's progressive other people have done it before you you will be able to do it and it's it's not getting into your head and convincing yourself you can't do it you know it's that positivity um to know that you can do it you mentioned something there that we'll just jump in on which is fueling yourself and it's something i've said on a number of different books i've written um but uh don't ever fuel yourself with something you've never tried before on the day of an important test yep. now this goes for marathon runners this goes for your 30 miler or any of those criteria tests because you don't know how your stomach and your, yeah, your, yeah, your system is going to cope with it so worst case you'll vomit it out you know uh, if not you might have the shit so yeah just um he, he, you're exactly right make sure that you you feel correctly you don't want to skip breakfast and any of those stupid things but also don't go down to Exeter that weekend and find some super <laughs> amazing supplement that somebody sold you for 25 quid, take it and then find that either you can't concentrate because your, your head's pumping yeah. or it makes you sick. So just, uh, I think that's an important point. On the, on the contrary to, to that, I think a lot of lads, um, they've got some sort of ritual that they do before a test. So they might wake up at the same time. They might 
wash themselves the same way and then go down to breakfast and eat exactly the same thing in the same order before they do any sort of tests because they do it once it works and they think oh i'll do that every time because it works but i mean if 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 it works for you then dig out <laughs> yeah you know those sort of superstition things i think i was always i was always taught in training yeah. not to get into any superstitions don't do that sort of thing if you read um robert o'neill's book he talks about the lads um don't change their they didn't change their combats for the whole deployment because it's like oh well, they're lucky now yeah. they must have absolutely <laughs> stunk by you know getting towards the end so i understand that different military units do that sort of thing i think um i i, I really say to see people if you cannot get into those sort of superstitious uh, habits it's a better thing to do because it's not to do with that it's down to you and putting it down to tying your bootlace in a certain way you know touching your watch strap three times before you take it off because then you're going down the box whatever it may be you don't want to do that it's about you and your abilities because then one day you won't be able to eat that scran or one day you won't be able to wear that watch because it breaks you lose it and then you get inside your own head so um if you can don't allow yourself to do that, and uh, I think I think sometimes yeah. you know, it's just it's just to take think, their mind off what's actually like, coming. Just you know, more on that. Just be confident in yourself. Don't rely on a superstition to get you through something. Go into something thinking to yourself, "I know I can do this. I can do it," and and then you'll get through it. If you go into something a bit, maybe feeling a bit negative, or don't know if I can do this, or oh, I'll touch my watch strap three times, you're relying on something other than your own your own motivational drive to get through it. And I, I think using your own motivation is, is, is what's going to get you through it. I'd agree with that. Absolutely. It's, it's got to be a yeah. positive rather than a negative. Any sort of superstition is letting a little bit of negativity yeah. creep in because you're relying on something else. And a positive mindset is absolutely fundamental to anything in life, but especially going through yeah. any sort of elite military training, you have to know that people before you have done this, there is nothing different about you. So you can achieve it. You can do it. And, and that's where people that, you know, somebody might look at and think, oh, you'll never be able to do that. They do do it because actually it's yeah, about 100%. that mindset rather than anything else. Um, okay, so let's, uh, anything else you want to sort of say on those first, I guess, 22, 26 weeks of training before we just push on to so some of the tests? I think we've probably covered it all, to be honest. Good. Okay, so... Commando tests always come up, you know, people get ahead of themselves. I get a lot of questions about them and, and, and my, my generic reply is generally, um, look, you know, concentrate on what you can control right now, which is getting your peer MC and getting into training and then take each day and week as it comes. And by the time you get to those tests, you'll be ready. You know, you wouldn't get there otherwise. So um, when it comes to sort of final X and tests, it, you know, even yeah. in training, people get a bit panicked and a bit worried. Anything that you saw that was positive or negative from people around you or within yourself or just the same sort of I think of it's, probably, it's probably quite similar, but get, getting to that stage of training, you, you're at the end and there's always that kind of fear that you're there, that's you, you you want final like you're two or three weeks from becoming a bootneck. You don't want anything to happen, so everyone's a bit kind of on edge, like, oh, final X and, and then test. But I think if you just go into it knowing that you, you can do it, because it's a confirmation, it's not a teach, it's you're doing everything you've been taught so you know you can do it at the end of the day and you've got all the lads around you are all thinking the exact same thing you're there you're getting through it together so if it, one day you're you're hanging out your mate's going to be there for you and the next day you might be feeling all right you might be hanging out so you're going to pick him up you're going to work together and and i think by by the end of training you're you're all your best mates you'll get through it and yeah i don't really know what else to say on that to be honest it's, it's one of those you know what i mean no, you've brought up a really important point though that we haven't covered that I actually mentioned last night when I was doing a, a, a chat on another forum, no. which is no one gets through alone. Yeah. And that was something I was taught day one, week one. And you yeah. said that there, you will have a bad day. You'll have many bad days, but one of your oppos will be having an okay day and will help you. 
conversely another day he'll be having a bit of a, a down day and you'll be there and you know everybody finds different things harder easy doable not doable you know so it's really important that you learn yeah. that team ethos that you help each other get through especially that you know but you say by the end um but also that sort of yeah i don't want to get injured i don't want to do anything wrong at this point towards the end I, i'm going to hopefully have somebody on um on these podcasts um but if not i'm sure he won't mind me mentioning he got injured in week 30 yeah. and it was going to be a long-term injury you know you're probably talking 12 months or more to recover yeah that's exactly what people want to avoid because you've got all the way to that point the fizz is there the fitness is there you've learned all the skills and all of a sudden it all goes wrong so it's completely understandable that people want to be really careful at that point of view but at the end of the day again it's that not getting superstitious just doing what you do um if you if you just if you in anything in life if you want to avoid the nerves and you want to avoid worrying about it if you commit completely to doing it and you completely yeah. do it you cannot be thinking about nerves you cannot be thinking about what's worrying you so if you just commit and as you say you know it's a, it's, it's not a reteach you, you're showing what you can do if you commit <laughs> to the orders process whatever the operation that you're you're trying to um to do at the time if you commit completely to it yeah. then obviously that's that's exactly what you should be doing you can't worry you can't have any slip-ups and hopefully yeah. um, avoid thinking about what you said then sort of you mate you got injured in week 30 that happened to a lad that, that um, passed out with my troop he got injured uh, previously in his original troop. Uh, it must have been week 31. So I think he was doing a practice run as Tarzan before he went on his tests and ended up breaking his leg. And he was in, in Hunter Troop for about six months. And I can understand that must be absolutely heartbreaking having such a serious injury that, that far into it. But at the end of the day, the way you've got to look at it is you went, you come down to CTC to pass out. You don't come down to CTC to pass out with, with a certain troop. As long as you get through it, no one cares how long it, how long it takes you, how you do it. As long as you pass out to you, that's all that matters. It's a really good point. And I think, as you say, it's absolutely heartbreaking. But the things that happen to us yeah. make us who we are. Every single thing that happens to you through your life, good or bad, makes you who you are. And sadly, and it is really, really sad, generally the, the, the bad things, if you want to call things good and bad, are the things that you learn more from and they make they, they produce more character. And I know it's a cliche. So when those things happen, somebody yeah. like him, he learned so much resilience for those six months, seeing all his mates go on, seeing his mates get a lid, yeah. go out to the units, and he's got to sit there and wait and bide his time. But he still completed yeah. it. And actually those six months would have taught him resilience they would have taught him a bit of patience they would have taught him un an understanding of how to get over an injury you know i've had i've had serious injuries um you know operations yeah. on two places two joints on my right arm i got point. back when i was um, in training that was that was quite far into training actually it was a, around week 22 and and like you say then it is it's really hard watching all your all your mates pass out before you and you're thinking oh i wish i could be there with them but like you say on the contrary to that it does make you a stronger and a better person I think it happened to me and, and a few of my other friends and we've all said that having that setback and getting over it does make you a better bloke and, and even and even a better soldier. <laughs> you will be a better soldier in one sense because you get taught something again and you have an understanding. Sometimes people, I guess, can go all the way through and maybe the training team didn't yeah. spot that there's a little weakness there or there's a problem there because get, getting, no. getting back through isn't always about, and it's actually, no, it's not, it's not about, oh, you're shit, go back through. It's about we can improve that and at the end of the day it's about sending somebody out that door who is as good as they can be with a green lid on the head and that's the point you know it's about achieving the, the, the best that you can be and the best that the core has so if there's just a, a, a lack of understanding yeah. or something that's missed go back do it again and then you definitely become better at it and we, and we you know we all know that when you when you yeah. repeat doing something you generally get a better result anyway so no, i was just going to say there was, there was an analogy that got, we got told by an ml if anyone doesn't know what that is that's a, a, a mountain leader was kind of a, an elite branch within the Marines. 
And he, he gave us the analogy that Limpson's like a train journey and you're on a, on a straight path. And if ever you have any hiccups or if you fail something, you're just getting off at a stop and then you get back on the train when you're ready to get back on the train and you carry back on again and you just keep going until you finish your destination, obviously, which is, which is pass out. And that was a really good analogy that he used, I think. Yeah, exactly that. It, you know, it's it set a certain yeah. number of weeks, but that doesn't mean that it has to be that many weeks for everybody. There might be reasons, whether it's injury, whether it's misunderstanding, whether there's something else that happens outside of your control in your life that just means, yeah. as you say, you've got to go off at that stock. It's a really, really good way to look at it. And we haven't actually touched on it, yeah. but at the moment, they've got this recruit orientation phase that, that, they're, that they're trialing. And I think that's essentially what the recruit orientation phase is going to kind of look at as well, that not everybody through peer MC or not is ready to hit week one running and actually this recruit orientation phase allows um, the training teams to get people more to a to a, a standard where everybody's kind of in the same place at week one day one because don't forget the peer MC you, you, you see CTC and they see you for three or four days and then you come and yeah. you're all suddenly expected to hit the ground running so um, it, that maybe that is going to get people on that initial 32 week train more yeah. Uh, yeah, a level playing field if that makes sense. All right, so I won't keep you for much longer because we've chatted for a little bit. All, all I would say is another question I get quite a lot is people messaging and saying, <laughs> I think I want to join the Royal Marines, but what do you actually do for a job? And I think, you know, you've been in a unit for a little bit. And, and one thing I often say to them is, is um, or say no. to people is the job is nothing like training. So people, you know, drop out of week four, drop out of week 16, drop out of week 30 because oh, I don't like it. But the job isn't that. So I just wondered... Uh, and it's been a weird time, I guess, for you with this COVID and, and what the military are doing. But have you have you got anything to kind of say on that in terms of what the job is or whether it's anything like training or whether yeah, you so enjoy it? Well, yeah, um, like you say, it is, it is a weird time at the moment. And this is kind of something that I don't think anyone will experience again in, in our lifetimes. <laughs> well, hopefully not anyway. But like you said, it, it's it's completely not like training. Training is, is a weird, a weird environment that you'll experience if you, if you, if you join the Marines. But anything anything happens at a unit you could be having one day where you just do you turn two in the morning you do your troop fizz so typically every morning you'll you'll uh you'll do troop fizz with with your troop or your or your um your company so maybe a circuit kind of crossfit style circuit or maybe a run or you might even do some some um some green fizz so like a yomp or something like that so you'll do some fizz and then you might not have anything on all morning so you just be just be chilling maybe cracking some more fizz on your own you might be updating mats so like annual training that you've got to do you might be doing some lectures if you've got a deployment or a trip coming up you might be learning about the place you're going to or what you're going to be doing you could even be doing some training specifically to your role so i know you know mate but not everyone know that each different commander unit has a different role so like four or five i know they they go to the norway so they might be doing some uh some cold weather training or 40 down in Taunton they might they might be doing some warm weather training so just different things all the time and going on exercise keeping on top of your green skills or doing some CQB training tra learning on different weapon systems there's always there's always something going along and there's always something to be doing that, that, that's exactly so what I've said to people in the, in the past is I can't they've said yeah, to me, what's a day in the life <laughs> I say I can't really give you a day in the life no, it's so yeah. varied and that's just if we're looking at in the uk all the different things you could be doing on a daily basis in the uk to either keep your training up as you say keep your mats up prepare for a deployment prepare for an operation that possibly could come yeah. up yeah. um trialing new kit if you're at 40 commando at the moment a day day to day is different in the uk let alone then if you're away either on an exercise or whatever you may be doing every day is different but if you're the sort of person that relishes that that you're not going to the same office to sit behind 
the same computer to do the same type of work. I, you know, I, I, I've, I've managed a gym in my past and I, I've seen people who've been there for probably getting yeah. over 20 years, same client, same time, same day, same day of the week. They have the same routine. It's so monotonous. Yeah, whereas the no. core offers you, no day is the same, you know, it, it isn't. And, and I think that's that's why it's so difficult when I get that question. It's good to hear your, your experience is exactly the same. It, it could be all number of things, but they're all different. You're always learning, you're always advancing. And obviously you, you've mentioned to me that you're, you know, you're possibly going to walk yeah. and do a course and you've got other courses you want to do in the future. You know, anybody, anybody who's listening to this will understand that the Marines, I would have thought in the sense of their specializations out there. And you can say, oh, I want to try that specialization, but I think I might want to do that course in the meantime. And um, it's, it's a really varied life. So if you are listening to this and, and you think that, this has given you the yes, I want to give it a go. I understand a little bit more about training. Know that the job at the end, as we've already said, is very different to what you may think it is. It's also very different from training, but it offers you so many possibilities yeah. um, uh, to, to improve yourself and to be the best soldier that you can be. Do realise who you are as a person. And that's, I think that's something that I like about, I like, I like about the core and I like about training that you do kind of, I don't want to say unlock yourself, but you find out what you're capable of, what you can and can't do. And well, what you can't do, but then what you can work on to, to better yourself, because you'll have plenty of time at unit to, to get better at what, what you're not as good at. 100%. I've said in, I think, pretty much every book, whether it's published by a publisher or I've self-published, know thyself or knowing yourself, being able to be self-reflective and look at you. And something like Romery's Commando Training puts you in difficult positions so you can really see yourself for who you are. And as you say, okay, I'm strong at that, but actually I'm quite weak at that. What I probably need to work on is when I get in those situations again, not reacting that way. And as I've said on many platforms, I'll say it again today, you can't always control what yep, happens 100%. But you can control how you react to it. But you need to be put in positions to know, oh, I reacted that way. How am I going to react next time? And I think, you know, if, if you're looking at the military in general, they'll put you in those positions. And then, as you say, you've got your weaknesses, you've got your strengths. You can work on your weaknesses to become stronger all round without yeah. not bothering with your strengths because you've got to keep those up. So um, just finally, I wanted to say, if you if you are having that question, why do you want to join the Marines? Are you, or do you want to do it because you want to become a, a bootneck? Do you want to do it because your family wants you to become a bootneck? Whatever your motivation is, just use it and know why you want to be a Marine. And that will get you through the, the 32 weeks of training because, excuse my language, but it is fucking hard. <laughs> do you know what? That's so strange that you say that. And I don't know whether you listened to the thing I was doing last night, but somebody, I think he was American, and he said... I want to join the military. Have you, or he, he mentioned who's going to join. It's terrible. I can't remember who he said, but have you got any advice? Yeah. And the first bit of advice I said to him is, is ask yourself why, because if you don't really know why yeah. you'll find it getting hard and you won't want to be there. And when I was asked to write the Royal Marines Guide to Fitness for Haynes, I was given the chapter headings. And one of the one of the chapters had something about that. And I tried to write down all the different reasons why different people from different backgrounds might join, whether families in it, whether they want to prove themselves, whether they want to get, get away from a certain location, whatever it may be. And the bottom line came down to you just need to be self-aware enough to understand what your motivation is and hold it in your mind while you're going through when it gets difficult as you just said so really great point and yeah. really weird that you know i said it i said it exactly the same thing first thing i said said yesterday so it's a yeah, really no important part of it so yeah thank you mate thank you for bringing that up all right well i'll let you go and uh, crack some <laughs> yeah. on a, on a Thanks again for having me, mate. and um thank you very much so that's it episode one season two done and dusted uh, I can't thank him enough for coming coming to the show and doing that for us. Um, if it sounded a bit weird at times, we're not in the same room. It's social distancing and all that. We're, we're using Anchor, so it's like recording a phone call. So sometimes uh, it is a bit of a time lapse, but hopefully you got the gist. Um, really useful stuff there. If, you, if you're thinking of joining the Royal Marines or you're already 
going into the PRMC and heading down to Limston, hopefully there's some really useful stuff there. Put your nerves at uh, rest or at least give you some things to think about. Um, stay tuned. The next podcast, I've got somebody who's just spent 18 months on the training team at CTC, so he's going to give the other side of the coin. Um, and I've got a couple of other people lined up after that who are just going to be as just as interesting. Um, as always, you can keep in touch with what I'm doing at Instagram, at Sean Lowell, YouTube, at Sean Lowell, um, Facebook and Twitter the same, although I don't use them as much. www.seanlowell.com for past the PRMC, Successful Eating and the other books and programs I do. Um, and just keep checking back for the, uh, the podcast because they're going to hopefully be coming once a week from now on. Thanks again. We'll see you on the next one. Oh,